Welcome to the HeartStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lindbergh. Like many of you, I'm living a life that I just did not expect. And over the years, I've come to value the idea of living HeartStrong, of growing through the challenges in my life, and let's face it, the challenges in our times. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. So each week, I talk to thought leaders, authors, experts, and everyday amazing people who have something to teach us all about living fully amidst our struggles. I have learned so much from others along my journey, and so I hope that my guests will help you on yours. Let's get started. On today's podcast, I'm sitting down with Liz Pumala, who is truly one amazing woman. And we're going to talk about seeing unfulfilled needs and stepping in to make a change. Liv lives a life guided by observing and meeting unfulfilled needs around her. As a former adaptive physical education teacher for children and adults with special needs, Liz saw a need in the community early on in her career that needed to be changed. Life for her students continued long after their public education ended. However, the opportunities for them did not. So in 2020, she founded Matthias Academy, a nonprofit adult daycare for adults with specialized medical and behavioral needs, cognitive disabilities, and autism. And Matthias Academy has grown from 17 students to 72 students in 16 months, which is incredible. Liz is led by parents, guardians, staff, and students to continue to fill not only the void that exists in the lives of these underserved disabled adults, but to continue to create more and more amazing opportunities for them. And I am so excited to talk to Liz today. I think one of the themes of this podcast today that I want you to think about if you're listening is really we all have things that we see in our world that we're like, gosh, you know, I wish that was different. Or I wish we could change that. Or you have a personal experience that really makes you look differently at the world and you can change it. And Liz is here to tell you and to embody that you can change that. So welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yes, it's so exciting. So I came to one of your fundraisers for Matthias Academy even before your doors were opened. Um, we were invited with with some friends and I never met you before. And I remember sitting in the crowd like so inspired by your energy. I was like, this woman is going to change the world. <laughs> like I could just feel it in you. Like I didn't know you. I didn't. And I, and I, and also for the listeners, I have a son that's disabled. He's seven and he has muscular dystrophy. So this cause was close to our hearts. Like we knew that someday we'd be thinking about these same issues. So, so that's why we ended up going, but you just struck me as a person that was just such a go-getter. So I want to know the story. Like, take me to the beginning. How, when, tell me about your career and like how you realized something like a Matthias Academy needed to be created. Uh, well, I, I taught special ed for 17 years and I think it was my first year teaching that we had six students graduating and, and the school where I taught, it was, um, it was, medical needs. It was behavioral needs. It was all different, severe autism, and it was ages three to 22. And once they turned 22, um, they were done. They graduated and we had a ceremony just like graduation. And when I heard that all six of them were going home, I was completely confused because I thought, you know, we're getting these, these 
children and adults ready for their next chapter in their lives. And they were all six going home because one of them had behavior problems, one of them had medical issues. And I thought, well, that's not right. And so as I continued to teach and realized, you know, only a, a certain amount of our students were able to find programs and really some some good adult lives, I just decided I was going to change that. And I was going to have a place that was not only a place to go, but a place that was amazing and would create just so many opportunities for them. So let's take let's take it back one step for our listeners who may not know. So you have a child that's disabled or has special needs and they're in school. And I can tell you as a parent, you go through all these IEP, which is individualized education plans. So you work so hard to get them to gain skills that are appropriate for school. And we do that and we take them through, let's just say a senior year in high school, or sometimes there's something that goes a little bit beyond that. And then there's nothing for them. Like we don't have anywhere. So when your kid is planning for college and planning to go to the next step, our kids are coming home to essentially sit on our couch. Is that what was happening? That's exactly what was happening. So, you know, they receive all of these services, speech services, occupational therapy, physical therapy, all of these, um, you know, these amazing teachers that work so hard and they're in constant communication with the parents and the parents are working on the same types of things. And someone told me once that when they turn 21 in Wisconsin, 22 in Illinois, when they turn that age, it's like being pushed off a cliff. It's like, Uh good luck. You're on your own. You have no support now. And that will forever, you know, stay with me in terms of there's just nothing. And they go from all of these services and all of this support to nothing. So, and so, and also, like, what does that look like for families, like for parents who exactly, you know, have to work to support their families? Like, what happens to the, to the rest of the family? So they either retire, they quit their jobs, they stay home. And that's the thing is, you know, I don't want to spend my adult life hanging out with my parents in their house. I just don't. And and maybe you do and maybe you don't. But I think there just needs to be the opportunity of something better. And if they want to spend their adult life hanging out with mom, that's awesome. But if they don't, there should be an option. And so these poor families are, you know, they have to make the choice of who works or do they hire an in-home caregiver to, to stay with them. Mm-hmm. So it's not only the the young adult who doesn't get to pursue something else the parents may have a job they really like or they may have dreams too that then they have to you know essentially give up so the need is big so when you thought about creating Matthias Academy like tell me how you got started like what did that look like did you go home and tell your husband I have this crazy idea or like what happened so if you're in special education you you want to start a day program I'm just telling okay. you that right now every teacher I've ever worked with every peer professional every therapist you see that there is nothing and it bothers you. And mm-hmm. so every person I've ever talked to, you know, I'm going to start a day program. I'm going to start a day program. I'm going to, you know, it's it's just across the board. Everybody wants to do that. And so I remember thinking it, my kids were little and um, I remember getting closer and closer. And then at the time my kids were, let's see, I guess 11 and 13. And um, I said to my husband, you know, I, I really do want to do this. I want to, I want to start some sort of amazing place. I didn't know what it was going to be called at the time. Um, but I will not do this until I tell a parent. And once I tell a parent of one of my students that I'm doing this, it has to be done. Mm -hmm. So 
um, it was kind of one of those days we were actually on a spring break trip. We were driving to uh, Myrtle Beach and I turned to him in the car and I said, so I just told a parent and he oh. said, okay, well, maybe don't quit your job yet. I said, I'm not going to quit my job yet, <laughs> but I told a parent, so here we go. And he said, okay. And oh. from then on, it was no looking back from there. So. From there. So you decided that you were going to do this and then you started telling parents. So then you were like, I got to do it. So then what did you do? So what was next after that? So it was a lot of researching. It was a lot of, you know, I wanted to do it in Wisconsin. The funding for adults is so much better in Wisconsin because we're right on the state line of Wisconsin and Illinois. Um, And so I just started to research, okay, what needs to be done? You know, what, what has to happen? And I knew I wanted to be a nonprofit. And so I started to develop my board and we just kind of went through every single uh, piece of each, you know, component. And Mm -hmm. while I was still teaching, you know, I I taught for another year after that, working through this. Um, And it was kind of amazing because the right people came to me, you know, Mm -hmm. I would randomly be playing golf with some friends and it turns out she's a marketing, you know, um, guru. And then, you know, we became really good friends with this, uh, person who's just happens to be an attorney and he wants to represent us. I mean, the things just kept kind of falling into place as, as we were going and, and to be able to look back and see how this was led, mm-hmm. not by me at all, you know, that this was led by so many others. And, um, it's just, it's really, really cool to look back and see that. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you're, you were being called to it and yeah. everybody was like lining up to help you. You know, I don't know if you're like a person of faith or what you believe about that, Very much. but it just, it seems like this is, you know, something that God had for you to do. Absolutely. And I, so Matthias Academy is actually named after my brother who passed away from colon cancer. His middle name was uh, Matthias. His name was Paul Matthias. And it means gift from God, which is what all of these adults are. And I think that's really important for everybody to know that these, they are all gifts and, and that's why we're here. So yeah. yeah. So when you were in the midst of getting this going and meeting all of these people, did you, did you have moments where you're like, I don't know if I can pull this off. I don't know if this is going to work. Um, I ha- I have to say it was really hard. It was, is, this is a whole different world than, you know, teaching this whole business side is so different. And so, um, just learning the whole, all these new things, but there was never a point that I didn't think I was going to do it. I, I, like I said, I told a parent and so it had to happen. There was no turning back because I think there's been a lot of years of, well, I think somebody's going to start a day program. Well, I heard somebody's going to do this and, and I wasn't going to do that. So, um, there were definite hurdles. There was a definite pushback from, um, you know, kind of the world around us of we're just a dream and, you know, this is never going to happen. There's no way this girl can do this herself. Um, but there was so much support from parents that I knew and parents mm-hmm. that I didn't know. And they all jumped on board and they helped fundraise and they believed in this. And if we just, you know, we just had a plan and, and they helped push this through. Wow. That's incredible. It really I was. Think that, I think it's the power of parents. I've seen that in so many different things that I do um, because they have this experience and then they love their kids. And then they're like, we, and then come hell or high water, you know, they find a way. And I think that that's incredibly inspiring. 
did you, did the community around you, just even like the wider community, not just the community of parents, were they supportive of Matthias Academy? Uh, the schools, some schools were supportive, you know, they were so excited to be able to say, Hey, this is coming. And some Mm -hmm. schools were very much, this is not going to happen. This is a dream. Um, people say this all the time, but it's not really going to happen. Um, which was really sad because I I was hoping the schools would at least leave it up to the parents, you know, Mm -hmm. and let them decide if they wanted to jump on board with us or not. So the fact that some of the school districts were, you know, very opposed to to supporting Matthias and sending out a brochure or anything like that because we didn't exist yet. Um, that was a little frustrating, but at the same time, I understand there's a lot of, you know, empty promises at times. So, um, but some of the school districts were, and they were very excited and, you know, they told all of their parents, you got to do this. This is going to be great. And I didn't know them. They didn't know me, mm-hmm. you know, it was just something different and something new and something that was worth talking about. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, almost like a, a sheltered workshop where they just where you know, adults go and they have a job and they just do their job. It was something that was going to be endless opportunities. And that was, that was really important. So, yeah. So for those, for those listeners who don't know, like, what, you know, what you would do at Matthias Academy, like what your adults would do. Tell us like what a day is like for them. Tell them they come and what are they doing there? So, our, well, it's so much fun. Um, they come from 830 to three o'clock every day. So it's kind of like a school day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are each divided into frat houses. So instead <laughs> of like a homeroom, they each have their own frat house. So we just wanted to make it a little more college-like because we really aren't a school. We are an adult daycare for adults. And some, I mean, our oldest adult here, I think is 50, I think 50. Um, So, you know, we really wanted it to be kind of that college feel Mm -hmm. where they were really proud of their, the place they go to either work or go to school. Um, So they have their frat house and they check in with their professors, which is what we call our, um, I guess what the state would call them as caregivers, but we call them professors. Um, And they kind of, they check in, they talk about what they did last night, you know, what their feelings are, how they're feeling today, things like that. And then they kind of just scatter and everybody goes Mm. everywhere. So we have a music therapist here. We have an art teacher. We have a physical therapist, speech therapist, a life skills, kitchen skills, you know, things like that. So they, some of them go to art while some of them go to music while some of them are, are doing their morning, um, you know, physical activity. And then some are doing their check-in where they're learning something new. It's a, it's a constant motion. And all of the professors know where everybody is. And I don't know how they do, but they do. And, you know, and then everybody kind of checks back in and then they go to the next place or then they stay there and they're going to work on some sort of a skill or something like that. So it's just a constant chaotic blessing is what it is, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's like organized chaos. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so then after, so that do they take the bus home or do the parents come get them? How does so that most, work? most of them are driven by their parents. Um, and we have, we have some that come from, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but Elmhurst, Illinois, it's about an oh, hour yeah. and 10 minutes South. And then we have some from about an hour North and then some from about an hour West. So we wow. cover a big, big range, but that's how big this need is. I mean, that's, that says right there to need to drive an hour or more, you know, to get your adult child somewhere awesome to go. That's, that's how big this need is. So, um, their parents drop them off or we have one little bus and we have one little van that 
picks up kind of local um, that's just driven by the staff here, which is pretty mm. fun. Um, and then they come back and they pick them up at three o'clock and head back home. And we go all year round. It's not a school year. You know, we keep going in the summer, but we do have a couple of days off here and there. But um, we run all year round. Pretty consistent. Yeah. And and so that was one of my questions is, you know, how big is this need in the world? Like where are where is the next closest place like Matthias Academy to you? Um, there's a place that has a residential um, component to it that is down in Libertyville. It's called Lamb's Farm. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And there's also a place called Misericordia in um, Chicago, also residential with a day program. Wonderful mm-hmm. place. But the waiting lists, I mean, they're 10 years long, if not longer. And mm-hmm. that's not okay. That, that's mm-hmm. not okay. So um, my, one of my last years teaching one of my students who had severe autism, as soon as he graduated, they were packing up and they were moving to Washington because Washington had the best, the state of Washington, because they had the best um, pretty much options for adults with special needs. So they knew that that was, that's what they had to do to get him a place to flourish and to be the best he could be as an adult. So, wow. I think one of the things that, um, people or the the average world doesn't realize is the impact that it has on the entire family and the siblings and the, and the adult, you know, the adult parents and how, how in, in just an honest word, cause I live it, it's disruptive and it's really difficult because as a parent, you want to give all of your children what they need and you want to be, you want them all to thrive. And so when you don't have that support, I mean, it's just even hard to find child care for a child who has multiple needs, let alone, you know, you worry about their future. And so, you know, looking at this like a little bit more globally, you know, have people said to you, would you open a second location? Have you thought about how to address this need on a larger scale, whether it's like policy advocacy or, or anything like that? I think, um, I think one of the things that you kind of touched on it is that the the community doesn't understand that, you know, if you think back to your high school and who you went to high school with and anybody that was in your high school with special needs, where are they now? Do you know, like they don't just disappear. And we do, we have all these fundraisers. We have all these, um, you know, things for children with disabilities and children with autism and what happens when they're adults. And it's just, it's not out there and it's not, I feel like people just don't know that this is such a huge problem. Um, I can't even remember your question, so I, I have to go. Back. Well, I, I was but, just asking about, you know, is do you do people say to you? Obviously, this is a huge problem, and you just have explained yeah. this to us. Would you open another location, or has, has this spurred any more energy for kind of addressing this on a larger scale within either the state of Wisconsin or Illinois, or even like nationally? Yeah, we definitely will grow. I mean, we've grown so much in in such a short time. I want to continue to add, you know, facilities. I want to continue to go. We're already diving down the residential route. Mm. Um, we, but I don't want families to have to move to Wisconsin to mm. find some place great for their adult child. So, mm. um, you know, my honest hope and right away when we opened is we had other day programs come and tour. 
And mm. I thought, well, this is perfect. They can step up their game. They can do better. They can do wonderful things for their adults. Mm -hmm. And all that ended up happening was they sent me some resumes. They wanted to work here. Wow. Instead of let's make our place better. Mm -hmm. So that is my hope. That is my hope that people can see what we're doing, why we're different, why we're, it's not just a place to go. It's a place for all of us as adults to learn and grow together. I mean, we're learning new things every day as adults all the time and why not do mm -hmm. it together? Um, but I will, I will always grow as long as it's, you know, safe and healthy for everybody around me. Um, I think one of the biggest problems is the funding for this. Mm -hmm. The you know if if you want to have exceptional staff, you need to pay exceptional staff, and that's one thing where we will always be fundraising. We will mm -hmm. always be, you know, asking for support and things like that. But that's okay. That's what they deserve. They deserve the best staff possible. So, um, I do understand now that I understand the business part of this. Why there aren't more? This is not a money making. This is not no. a. Um, you know, but this is about caring for those that don't, no, no one else will, that no mm -hmm. one else will give them a chance just because they have a behavior or they have toileting needs or they have, you know, medical needs. They're, they still are humans and wonderful, wonderful people that deserve everything that we do, you know. So I think it's just, it's just the knowledge, the getting the awareness out there that just because they turned 18, 21, 22, that, no, they don't disappear. They deserve the same opportunities we have. As everybody else. Yeah. yeah. So not that long ago, we, um, I have three boys um, and we took the older to skiing and, you know, we separate a lot as a family to do stuff because it's just hard to take our son Bodie places. And so we decided, okay, we're all going to go together. So we all went and we get to the parking lot and there's a plethora of handicapped parking spots. We're like, this is great. So we pull in, we go inside and, you know, try to get my older one, you know, with his, you know, snowboarding and all this stuff organized. And so my husband goes with him. And then I realize that there's a whole bunch of stairs. Now I've been here before, but I've never been there with Bodie. So then I was like, okay, well, I have to figure out how to get him upstairs. So I ask a bunch of different people, you know, nobody knows where the key is to the lift. You know, it's like Ugh. they never use it, you know, right. we get in the lift. Okay. So then I was thinking to myself, well, he's in, he's seven. So he's still not huge, you know, so he's in a chair, but it's more like a stroller. And so I thought to myself, well, what if there was an adult in a wheelchair with cognitive impairment that had to hold the button the whole time? They may have not been able to do that. How, right. would, how would somebody else, an adult get in here with them? It's not big enough. So I, you know, of course, so I get in there, I go upstairs, it's just a sea of people and there's no real place to maneuver around. And I don't know, you know, I've done this long enough to know the, that the stare from the mom, like, oh, I wonder what's wrong with that kid, you know, so mm -hmm. you're kind of there. So then I was like, okay, well, I have to feed him, but there's no place to sit down and everyone's taking up the tables and there was no reserved place, you know, so I took him outside and fed him. And finally, I was like, okay, we have to go in the car because he just was, he just, it was too noisy for him. I think he was overstimulated. So my 10-year-old is with me and we get Bodhi to the car and we're putting him in and we're just going to hang out while they finish skiing. My 10-year-old says to me, he's like, mom, you know, people with disabilities are kind of invisible to the mm. world. You know, people don't see them. 
And I was, I mean, honestly, I had to choke back the tears because I was like, here is my 10 year old who has just observed everything that we've tried to do to do a quote unquote normal family thing together instead of separating, which we do most of the time. And he observed all the hoops that I had to get into, try to just integrate into a family event. And of course I'm standing there looking at kids that are seven skiing and wishing that my, I know he would love to, he loves movement. You know, he would love that. And it just really struck me that here we are in this place that did the absolute bare minimum that they would have had to do to be operable. They had a full parking lot available, but once you got inside, there was really nowhere for you to go. Um, and just how, unaware people are in general of people with disabilities and yet how much they teach you. I mean, I've learned more about living through my kids who have had challenges than anywhere else. And, and I just wish that somehow the world at large who is so busily moving about, right? I mean, it's like, could see you know, and I don't know what to do about that. I think it is having conversations like this, but it they teach. I think my son has taught me presence and and the gift that we all have of movement and all the things that we could do. But then that he also wants those things. He's not devoid of wanting them because he cannot do that for himself. And so I just was wondering if you could talk to me and our listeners about how you see people that are disabled, like how you view them and how you would like the world to see them if they see them through your eyes. I think your story was, I mean, it's, it's right on. It's, they're invisible. And like you said, you know, you, he's seven, he's not that large, you know, imagine if you have, I mean, we have, we probably have, I don't know, eight or nine guys here that are over six three. I mean, wow. they are large Huge. men. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? If I have to change them, change, you know, a, a diaper, I, where is that happening? There is no, mm-hmm. you know, it's on the floor. It's on, mm-hmm. well, it, it's not acceptable. And I, I don't, you know, there's so many battles I would love to fight, but I think yeah. if I can just stick to this one and just, you know, keep on this path and get us out into the community. The community has been so welcoming to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we are very, very present on Facebook. We show pictures pretty much every day of what we're doing. And I think that has opened some people's eyes of, hey, where were all these adults? You know, yeah. where were they before Matthias Academy? And we, we've definitely... We've definitely been welcomed. We've definitely, um, people are very accepting of us when we, you know, head into Costco and there's 20 of us and we're getting toilet paper and paper towels. Um, But the way that, the way that these adults are just teaching us how to live our lives Mm. with just laughter and love and, you know, talking through emotional times and things like that. We just slow down sometimes and we just talk Mm -hmm. through things and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And then there's times where we're all just learning together. You know, right now that each frat house is a different country and they're, they're um, learning about you're, they're kind of doing the Olympics. So each frat house mm. is a country and then they're traveling around and like, I don't know anything about Norway. And now I know about Norway. I don't know anything about Madagascar except the movie. And now yeah. it's like, we can just all learn together about these different countries. So just to open our eyes and slow down and, and just continue to learn and grow together has been 
our our mission and pretty much our love here. And I I hope we spread that across everywhere that people will just slow down and and they will recognize and acknowledge and not see them as invisible and see that they are here. They are here to make a difference and they're here to do wonderful things and incredible things really. And, but I see, I see what you're saying in this, in walking in, rolling into a ski lodge with, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it is also sometimes as a parent, you have to put on your brave face, right? Because you mm-hmm. are trying to make something very normal that, that should be a normal experience for your kids. And I think it's just an awareness thing too. I mean, I had half thought about calling the, the ski place, talking to the owner and being like, listen, mm-hmm. you have some work to do here, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I didn't do that, but I, I've done that in the past. And I'm not, <laughs> I've, I've been known to do those things because I think that it's when you have these significant experiences that it's not just for ourselves, but it's for, I think we, we, we have them so that we can impact the world for good. And so I'm curious, you know, um, you, you had this idea, you saw a need and you went after it and you are doing it. And I know from, doing things like this. I also run a nonprofit organization. It is, you're always like, okay, well, we're good today. We're, you know, and somehow things just keep going. Yeah. Um, but what would be your message for someone else who sees a need in the world and feels called to make a change, but really actually has like, they have no idea to begin or they're kind of afraid of, of giving it a go. Oh gosh. Um, I would say there's, there's make it the right time for you. You know, it's Mm -hmm. gotta be, if I would have tried to do this when my kids were little, I don't think it it would have worked, but it's gotta be the right time. Something has to say to you or call to you saying, okay, it's gotta, it's gotta happen now. And, Mm -hmm. and I had no idea, no idea. And that's kind of my more personality is let's just do this. We'll figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. And what was beautiful was the people that are more planners and more let's, this is how it needs to be done kind of filtered into my life and, and joined me in this process to make sure that it was done correctly. Mm -hmm. And, but I would say, Oh gosh, I would say, let the others guide you. Let, Mm. let, um, yeah, let everyone around you that wants to support you, you know, kind of lift you up and, and push you through all the, the hurdles and all the hard times and just keep going. I I say jump in, but it's got to be the right time for you. I say once you feel like, okay, I can dedicate my whole life to this right now, go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Make make a difference. <laughs> And you said, you know, let people around you guide you. I think sometimes when we have an idea, it's like we feel like it's we're a one person show, right? That that can feel like that because it's our idea. How did you, you know, welcome other people in or how did you get people to kind of come alongside and share in your vision? Because it was your idea, you know, it was your, your, you were the person that put your foot out and, you know, and stepped in the game first, right? You're like, we're going to do this. Yeah. How did you bring others along and then trust them to have to share in your same vision? So I definitely had a this was a, a big problem for me. Um, I, I wanted all control, you know, and mm-hmm. and in, in learning to, you know, I developed a board and, you know, we butted heads a, a few times, but I needed them. I needed mm-hmm 
that side of the story. I needed that vision. I needed that. Nope, can't do it that way. And then once we started and we opened, I had a very, very hard time giving up control. And, Mm. and this was a big problem, you know, internally for me that it was something I really needed to work on. And I actually worked with, um, one of our, she's kind of like a team, um, professional counselor that we have here to kind of keep everybody um, working towards professional goals. And it was, I, I had to work through like, hey, this, as long as everybody knows the purpose and as long as everybody knows the mission behind Matthias, let them go. And, mm. and since that, like total control, let go, it's been a hundred times better, hundred times wow. better. Letting everybody just do amazing, wonderful things. It's just, it's been incredible. So I, that is a hard, that was hard for me, really hard mm-hmm. because this was my baby and I was not going to let this baby go. So, um, that, that's one thing that I learned over this past, I would say probably the last six months has been my real, mm-hmm. you know, let go of control and let, all these experts that I hired myself mm-hmm. do what they do best and and they really are. It's kind of like, you know, the what stays the same, like you're, you know, the what, but the how can change. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to, because how you would do it may be different than someone, how someone else would do it. Right. And so exactly. kind of allowing for that to happen is hard. It's hard when, I mean, I, I've struggled with that. Yeah. And to let let everybody make mistakes and including myself and then to learn and grow from them has just been incredible, especially the fact that we're all doing it together. It's, it's been, it's been great. And leading by that example, I think is really powerful too, you know, allowing people to be who they are. Cause I'm sure you have a lot of people there who are also equally mission driven, you know, you, they wouldn't be able to do what they do. I don't think without that. Definitely. That that's yeah. one of the one of the main drives behind us is our mission of endless opportunities, and that just as long as we end our day and we feel like okay, I've provided them with every opportunity they could have had today, mm-hmm. that's that's a successful day. Yeah, I, that's you're doing amazing things. It's it's really inspiring to watch, and uh, you know you're in a helping profession, obviously, and you know, you're caring for people with a lot of needs and your staff is also like, how do you set boundaries for yourself? Or, you know, maybe you don't, I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, how do you kind of have some for yourself? Because, you know, I, I was talking to somebody recently where we were just talking about how when you're in a helping profession, it's kind of like a therapist as a therapist, you know, you need to fill your own cup so that you can continue this mission. That's this beautiful mission that, the world needs. So can you, t- can you talk to me like what that looks like for you? <laughs> this was another very, very huge challenge for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, from, for a solid year and a half, this was my entire life, you know, first thing in the morning mm-hmm. to last thing before I went to bed. And, um, and my family has been so supportive of that, but at the same time, I didn't realize, you know, my whole life was was Matthias. And so one of the things that, and I don't, I think this is just because we're, um, I don't know if it's because we're a business or a nonprofit. I'm not sure the rule, but the rule is that the um, director has to take five days off straight in a row mm. and walk away so that everybody else can do their job to make sure mm. that they could, you know, their shoes mm-hmm. can be filled. And so last May was my first time I stepped away. I, I, you know, my emails didn't come through the phone. I couldn't answer the phone. And I did that for five days and I went to Florida mm. with my friend 
And that was my realization of, I have to balance this better. And, mm-hmm. and it was a wonderful time. We had a great time you know, and it was so relaxing. And I thought, you know, I don't need to answer emails during my kids' sporting events. I don't need to yeah. do that, you know? So it can always wait. And so I've definitely really tried to put in, again, the last six months, put in, you know, not on the weekends, as, unless it's something that brings me joy. That's one thing sure. that if, if it's a if it's a parent that wants to email me and say wonderful things and that's great. I will absolutely answer that. But if it's, you know, something that can wait till Monday morning, it'll wait. And I've really tried to to um, I've really tried to put some boundaries in place in terms of my self to my staff. You know, they don't want to talk about Matthias every day. They don't want me to text them at six in the morning about, you know, what we're doing today. (laughs) So I really had to put that, you know, just, just calm it down a little bit, Liz. Not everybody wants to talk about this all the time. So I've definitely tried to put those in place as well of just leave them alone, let them take their break. You know, they have their healthy boundaries and I'm learning to have mine. So it's a struggle, but I'm getting there. Yeah. And I don't think there ever, this whole idea of like work-life balance, I'm not sure that there is any of that, right, especially right. when you're doing something that is mission-driven, that is your purpose, right? To have exactly. that, but to be aware aware of it um, because there are, do you ever feel like there are just so many needs that you just, it's, it's just overwhelming that you just can't, it, it's almost like it'll just bring you to your knees if you think about how many people have needs. And, and so how do you think about that too, as, as far as what you're able to do a, a defined amount of things because you're a human being, right? And you have yeah. defined resources. Tell me how you kind of think about that too in your mind. I definitely struggle with that. I, I get a lot of messages of when are you going to be residential? Mm. When when is residential starting? When are you going to open it? And you know, at first, my, my first reaction was just total anger of mm. – we just started. Give me a minute, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not. And once I learned, you know, it, they're asking for help and that's it. Mm-hmm. They're just asking for help. They're just asking for guidance. And it's not, it's not an, I'm not moving fast enough. It's not an insult to me, which I at first was taking so personally of, you know, we just opened a year ago, give me a second, you know, and then we'll start the residential route. It's not that it's that, they just they just want to know and and i it's very much in my mind and i think that's something that people don't know is that i see the needs i see the transportation needs i see the residential needs i know them i just have to do this in the safest best way possible and it's going to take a little bit of time but i mean i thought this was going to take 5 years and it only took a year and a half so i definitely move quickly but i also need to move with caution and and do things the right way and I will definitely try to hit everyone's need <laughs> in the whole world, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I have limited myself to Matthias. I want to, I definitely want to help, um, you know, bring people to Matthias. And if it, if it expands, that's fantastic. Um, I would love to go that route. But again, I would want the right people in place mm-hmm. to make it happen the correct way, the right people, you know, to carry out this mission, the right and if I don't have the right people in place and the right speed that it needs to go, it's not going to work. So it's not going to work. Yeah. So I'm curious if you could, like, as you kind of t- thinking about all these things that you've accomplished so quickly, <laughs> I mean, truly it's, um, I feel like you're at warp speed. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> what, what tool or piece of advice do you think has served you the best in becoming 
the person that you are that is able to create and lift this organization? Maybe it's a couple things, but can you think of, of, of some of those guiding principles in your life? I think in the beginning, um, without, you know, I never had that option of no. I never had that option of stopping. I think that was a big key point of we hit a lot of roadblocks. I mean, a lot. And we are kind of in this weird gray area where, you know, things like the, the state, they don't know really where we fall. They don't know what to do with us. And, and yes, it could have been a roadblock, but okay, well, then we're going to go this route or we're going to mm-hmm. change direction, but, you know, we're going to do what we need to do and we're going to keep going. I think that that was a key part in the beginning. And I think now it's definitely more giving up control and letting mm. letting those that love this as much as I do let them go let them be you know let them do their thing and and trust just give them all your trust and that's I think those are my two two biggest is you know just keep going forward and trust trust everybody that you have with you mm-hmm. trust that it's gonna work out the way that it's yes going that was one thing too you know it I just, I never doubted that we weren't going to make it happen. And I don't know why, because um, I have definitely seen, you know, businesses start and fail. And, mm-hmm. um, but this was, this was going to happen. And I, maybe it was because of the parents and the people around me and all the support that I had. I had so much support, so much support. It was unbelievable. And I think just, you know, knowing these people and getting to know them and, and, you know, hearing their stories, it was not an option you know, to, to not make this happen. So you had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you could talk to a parent who is raising a child with, you know, a disability or a special need, uh, you know, the adults that you care for, like a parent like me, (laughs) um, you know, what, what, what is some advice? I learned so much from talking to other parents and just that are older than me longer on this journey. Um, what, what are some things that you think make for healthy families that you've observed parents do well? I think they're, I think doing their research, talking to other parents and relying on other parents. I think these support groups that, um, that like we have, um, we, we opened in the middle of COVID. So we really didn't have much of a, what I want to have is a big, you know, big family, but mm. we've kind of been limited with that. But we have, you know, moms that walk on Tuesdays. They they walk before they come and mm. I shouldn't say just moms. Some of them are guardians. Some of them are um, dads, you know, um, and they walk the grounds together and they are able to, you know, bounce ideas off each other. And um, but I would say, I guess my my advice to somebody with a a special needs child would be um, look to their future. Mm -hmm. Start now. It's never too early. Like look at the programs in the area and, and go visit them. And that's, that's one thing that I think people just assume that there's something there for their, their child when everywhere they go, Oh no, I'm sorry. We can't take, you know, your, your son, because he has a G tube or, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, he needs help in the bathroom. I'm sorry. We can't, you know, accept him here. Things like that. I think, you know, start your research now and just make sure that you have, you know, a great future planned. It's just like, it's looking at colleges, but it's looking at a very limited Mm -hmm. amount of colleges and, and you might have to move, you know, things like that. It's just, it's, I don't know, but I think I totally got off subject here. (laughs) I think, I think, um, I think just leaning on other, other parents with special needs 
children and just kind of sharing all knowledge and sharing all experiences is just make it, it makes everybody so much more knowledgeable and so mm-hmm. much more. I mean, that's we have never ever advertised. We are all yeah. word of mouth. We are all parents telling other parents, and that's it. That's all you know. And we've grown you know four times in the last you know year and. That's all that you need is just, you know, parents that know mm-hmm. what's great for their child and they're going to tell somebody else. So, mm-hmm. And I think it's the power of aligning yourself with people that have common experiences as you. You know, you yeah. can take this to anything that people experience in their life is that you can learn so much. And that's really one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because it's really about growing through the challenges in your life. And I have learned so much through the challenges in my life by watching other people, by listening to them, by reading their words, by modeling things that they've done that have helped me. And I think that that there are so many people out there who are guides, who are willing to guide us all who are a few steps behind them with what's available. And so I think that you are offering that so much. And, and just in talking to you, you know, I will say my husband and I often, we kind of think about Bodhi's future, it's very scary. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of daunting and we don't talk about it a lot because we joke it's going to be like three of us in a boat. You know what I mean? We kind of like, like we'll joke about it, but we don't because it's very daunting. And I think what you're doing for people is you're taking something that is really a bit scary and a bit daunting and you're creating space for it and you're allowing them to talk about it and even plan for it. And so I think that that's incredible. You know, as we start to wrap up, I know what you're running is an expensive thing. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and you want quality people. You know, that's really – so I'm curious if you can tell us, like, first of all, you know, how are you funding this? And second of all, how can people support you? So the state of Wisconsin is very – is wonderful in terms of um, funding for their adults with with special needs. Um, and they, and they fund their adults based on who they are, which I think is very important. Mm. Um, as opposed to Illinois, you get a set amount of money and good luck. And I hope that's enough for what you need it for. And it's not, it never is, but Mm -hmm. where Wisconsin looks at the actual individual, how much, you know, what, what needs do they have? How much staff do they need with them? Things like that. And they fund, their care based on that, which I think is incredible. Now we have both Illinois um, adults and Wisconsin. So the Illinois um, adults are private pay from Mm -hmm. either the parents, the guardians, they have some funding from the state of Illinois. And then it's all donations. So we do a lot of, we have our Amazon wish list. So each frat house, you know, has their, their Mm -hmm. Amazon wish list of, of any needs that they have. And we just have that on our website. And then we have fundraisers. Um, We haven't since COVID, we've only had a golf outing, but we did a couple online things. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise it's just going to be fundraisers. It's going to be word of mouth and uh, donations and it's so far we're, we're doing okay. And we're able to, you know, to stay afloat, but in terms of growing, we can't grow until we are, you know, more established and we can really go after those large, Mm -hmm. large donations, you know, corporate donations, things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, we're in our first year of of our first audit. So then, you know, they kind of look at, um, newer, newer nonprofits after a couple years of audited financial statements. So we're on our way, but um, yeah, that's our, our big, we're always going to be asking for money. We're always going to be, you know, just because we want, you know, if, uh, 
Daniel needs something that's going to make his artwork, um, you know, make it easier for him to uh, paint because mm-hmm. he does have limited movement. We're going to buy that special thing that's going to help mm-hmm. his range of motion so that he can paint just like everybody else. So that does make us different as we do individually look at each adult and what they need. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So tell us, tell us, it's MatthiasAcademy.org. Is that where people can find yes. you? Yep. Okay. And it's and if, two T's. <laughs> two T's. And if you're listening and you are inspired by Liz and you have the means, please reach out to her because your support would really mean a lot. So I just want to thank you, Liz, for your time. You're doing incredible work. Like it's, it's unbelievable. I, I've really, I was thinking about this today before we recorded this, how recently, especially through COVID, I've heard people comment on things that they, they don't like, you know, like something going on in their kid's school or, you know, you name it, there's something going on. And, and while we live in a world saturated by opinions on social media and everybody, you think there are so many people who have really good ideas, who have something that they really believe in, that they're afraid to speak up and take action. And, you know, you aren't. <laughs> and and I'm not. And I think sometimes when you have an experience in your life where you have to speak up or else no one will even see you, you learn that. But I really hope that people listening will will take that to heart and say, if there's something that you're called to, that you feel that it, you are created for, like, just listen to that, right? And take that step and see see what could happen. See who comes in your path because that is how you you change the world for somebody. That's so, awesome. We did. We had a, we had great feedback because we did open in the middle of the pandemic, and they said we we got some feedback that we were the only bright light in the world at the time mm. of of all of this hardship. So that was a wonderful thing that we were we were growing and flourishing in the midst of this. In the midst of the pandemic, shutdown, and, that you've, yeah. and that you've kept it open, and that you've yeah. been able to do that is amazing. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. It was really fun. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank Um, you so much. I wish you a lot of success. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. And when you do, it helps us continue our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges in their lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation and the HeartStrong Collective. To learn more about our work, please visit theheartstrong.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the HeartStrong Podcast.